dark and dusty drapes Let in some light Tell the bellboy come and get my trunk Cause I'm leaving here Hey everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Meryl Streep and the Movies with Zachary Scott Johnson and Meryl McNally. How are you, Meryl McNally? I'm good. I went outside today. Ooh, that's good. How are you? I'm good. Just a friendly <laughs> reminder for anybody tuning in in the distant future. <laughs> this is the, we're in the lockdown from coronavirus, so that's why it's unique that Meryl has been outside today. Yeah. Otherwise, I social distanced. I was socially responsible. I had to go to the grocery store. This is kind of uh, wild for us because we, this is our, you know, we've made it two weeks in a row recording an episode here. I know. First time in a while. Our listeners should be so proud. They're (laughs) going to get more than an episode every six months. It takes a pandemic to, to keep us churning them out on the reg, but you know, have you seen anything in this last week? Yes. Okay, so my pandemic, my pandemic binge watching is um, I'm somehow fixated on Lost. <laughs> I think it's because it's on a deserted island, and so I don't have to watch it and be confused as to why they're not socially distancing. <laughs> um, so I've like I've gone on a Lost binge watch, which is super fun to rewatch because I. I watched it while it was on, and I think it ended in 2010. So it's been 10 years. You know, it holds up pretty well. Yeah, it's a really diverse cast, which was almost unheard of, with the exception of Grey's Anatomy. And um, most of it is fairly, like, non-stereotypical. Like, they don't dig into cliches too bad. It's just fun. It's really fun. How far are you into it? I am at the end of season two. And season two was sort of the rough one, I recall. Like, it it was the one that was like, oof. Well, it kind of picks up again. Yeah, I always felt like that show to me, and it might have just been where I was in my life at the time, but I feel like it, I loved the first, I mean, that first season is incredible. It's incredible. And... I felt like the second season was pretty good, too. I don't remember. What I always admired about that show, what I sincerely admired about that show, and I actually find this to be true with all of, um, you know, the work of that production company really is, like, do not expect any one thing to happen because, like, they would kill off a main character just because they could. And just to keep the audience guessing, and I, I, I really like that a lot and um I felt like after a while though I just kind of like it it seemed like it kind of limped to its finale to me I remember season five and six not being so great yeah I think it was maybe uh either season four or five where if you had not been watching all along and you sat down and tried to watch the show, it was like watching something in a foreign language you didn't understand. There was so much time hopping and and weird things happening that you couldn't... It was very challenging to keep track of as somebody who watched every episode. So, yeah. And I, 
I struggled a little with season two because season one built so much momentum and then they went back in time and went to the other side of the island with the other half of the plane and basically started over and it felt like this way of buying time and expanding the universe and it took and then those characters like I recall there being rumors about the show having trouble with two of the actors so they had to kill them off and yeah, so season season two kind of goes backwards and its momentum halts. Yeah. Well, I remember season three being great, so I'm excited to get into it. Well, I think what you were saying was correct, and I feel like the producers and like creators of that show felt that way too, where at a certain point the show was so big that ABC just wanted more and more and more. And they were like, no, we kind of had a plan for this, and they just dragged it out longer than they should have. And so I think he's done other shows since then. The only one that I specifically know is The Leftovers on HBO. I don't know if you ever watched that one. I did. I did. Who was that? Lindel, Lin... Lindloff or whatever his name yeah, is. Lindloff. Yeah, The Leftovers is great. It is. And it's, it's very bizarre and very kind of in that same vein of like, what is happening in the show? And what, they, what he did that I think was great with that show is... They said right from the beginning, the trajectory of this is three years. We're not doing more than that. It's this and stuck to that. And so I think that show is a more cohesive, like beginning to end. Here's our story. Whereas Lost just went off in too many different, you know, directions probably. But um, yeah, that sounds like a good thing to revisit right now. I also have to give a shout out. And I meant to mention this last week because it deserves all the praise and I would do an entire podcast on this alone is Shit's Creek. Mm, I've yet to start it. Zach, if you watch anything in quarantine, watch Shit's Creek. It will be the joy of your life. It has a tenderness and a kindness to it that I don't think I've ever seen in another show. Hmm. Like you can tell that the writers have just deep amounts of empathy and it's just so loving. The whole thing is so loving and just pee your pants funny. Hmm. Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara are comedy gods. And honestly, I put Dan Levy in that category too. The show is brilliant. I hope he does a zillion other amazing things. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And it came to an end and I was so sad. So sad. (laughs) I'm anxious to visit it. I will say that. It's on my list. Yeah. Yeah. And it never, ever plays into stereotypes or cliches or takes the route that every other story takes. It always finds a more heartfelt, sincere, sort of kind, loving way to come at stories, which is amazing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, hopefully next time we speak, I can tell you how I feel about the first few episodes. Yes. Yeah. The nice thing is, is they're like, what, 22 minutes? Yeah. Fast yeah. And it's comedy. Yeah. And, you know, for anyone who's a fan of Catherine O'Hara, this was like, I was a big fan of hers before from all the Christopher Guest mockumentaries, Eugene Levy as well. Um, this just made me appreciate her on a much deeper level because 
you just get to see her character development and what she does with the role over time. But you don't get to see in those Christopher Guest movies. And her choices are impeccable. They're amazing. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. Have you been watching anything? Yeah, I watched um, two things. We watched a movie called Underwater last night. I don't know if you've seen previews for this, the Christian Stewart thing. Yeah. (laughs) How was that? (laughs) Not so good, Meryl. Not so good. It was, it just, it was really trying very hard to be alien underwater. You know, it just really, I didn't realize that's what it was going to be, I guess, was this, like, creature heavy like thing um and that to me is less interesting than i actually thought it was a disaster movie uh where like they were you know exploring the under that i guess it's kind of what the preview made it look like to me was they were uh you know down there exploring deep underwater you know like bottom of the seafloor kind of thing and their their device i don't want to say device but whatever like home home base they had had a problem and they had to like deal with that that's what i thought the movie was not that there was this like thing hunting them you know so i don't know it it was to me those movies are less interesting when it's just like chaos and screaming and just like that for an hour and a half it gets old to me so i didn't love that but um the other thing that i watched and finished this week i I was going to talk about this last time and i forgot to was um, the Apple Plus show for all mankind. I don't know if you've heard or watched any of that. It's the NASA one. Yeah, I haven't watched it, but I've heard of it. Um, I After watching the morning show, which I liked so much, I thought, well, I'm, you know, Apple Plus only has, you know, so many things out right now. I'm just going to kind of look to see what they had. And that was the first one alphabetically on their, on their offerings. And um, I kind of like the premise. It's a NASA thing, but it's uh, it's like revisionist history thing in which instead of us winning the space race, the Soviets win the space race. So they are the first uh, to the moon. And it just presents an alternate timeline of like what what might things look like if we had not been the first ones to land on the moon. I feel like that in and of itself is probably not the most like you wouldn't think of that as being like this fundamentally important thing. And yet it kind of uh, it kind of shifts around a lot of things, you know, like this, even in terms of like, would NASA still be going right now? Would that have been enough of like, would we still be? So, like, it, it was the competition element of that enough? Because, like, I don't know what, if anything, NASA does at this point. I mean, I know NASA as an organization exists, but we never hear about there being, like, orbits. Are they still, what are they doing at this point, you know? It's never, it's never really publicized. I think we'd have to go digging for the information to to know. I know they, do, I mean, I know they do a lot of research. Right. Um, but, yeah. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. And I, you know, I know they send up because we get pictures every once in a while of like, this is what Mars looks like. And it's amazing. But at the same time, like how might things look if we were still kind of exploring? Um, So this this presents a, a, a revisionist history. I did think one of the things that I felt about the show was I'm very much a like if you start it, try to see it all the way through. To tell you the truth, I might have stopped after three or four episodes, I wasn't loving it at first, but every episode got better than the one before, which I felt like I was the only one feeling that way. And then I started looking at reviews 
And if you look at the IMDb rating of each of the 10 episodes, literally every episode, the next one is rated higher up to the last one. You know, it's just like, it's better, 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 better. And um, it's not the most, like, I don't feel as attached to the characters as I do in a lot of pieces that I like, Um, you know, but I, but I do, there are some for, for sure great moments uh, that that are brought out by you know some some good actors in it. So I would give it a recommendation. I'm looking forward to. Uh, I think the next one. I I think the next one that I'm going to look at in the Apple Plus is the M Night Shyamalan one. That servants. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. seen that. I haven't. So, I'm really curious to watch it though. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm curious about Apple Plus's <laughs> offerings more so than anybody else's, but um, I'm gonna. I'm going to keep checking them out because the first two that I've watched have been good. I thought the morning show was really great. And this so was pretty great. Good. Yeah. I heard, um, I heard Dickinson was quite good. Um, and I, I haven't watched it, but um, yeah, I'm curious about their programming too. Also it's because they're new and they didn't, they didn't really release a lot when they launched. There's something so manageable about it. Like, exactly. These are so simple. And right now there's so much streaming content. It's yep. just sort of nice to go to Apple TV and be like, your choices are limited. And isn't that so nice? <laughs> yep. Yep. That's it. Netflix puts out so much content and so much of it is great. Like we can't really even fault them for it because like what they're pumping out by and large is good. It's just a matter of like, I don't know what this is. I've never heard of this. I've never heard of this because they can't advertise anything because there's so much, there's something new every day. Yeah. And you know, so what they're pushing hard, it's interesting when they do have something that they push really hard, like stranger things or something like that, that they go, you know, all in on versus some of their other stuff that you're like, I've, there are 20 episodes of this. I've never heard of it before. What is this thing? Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's. It's an interesting thing when we're talking about, you know, like there being too much content. You know, what a what a interesting problem. But at the same time, it's, you know, if you're trying to figure out what to watch next, that is a legit thing, probably. So, yeah. well. Um, oh, speaking of, there is a tiny bit of uh, Meryl news. I should have the title for this. Do you know that she narrated um, a short thing for Apple Plus? It's an Earth Day thing. Oh, yeah. I remember reading that a long time ago. You've jogged my memory. It's called uh, Here We Are, uh, Notes for Living on Planet Earth. I have not yet watched it, but she apparently uh, narrates part of this. It's an Earth Day special. It's 36 minutes. It's on Apple Plus. It's gotten pretty good reviews so far. It's uh, 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb, and um, it seems like people like it. It's just a little animated thing. Do we get to um, watch that and and rank it <laughs> with our other? <laughs> I I think so. We should we should talk about that. You know, Meryl and I have gone through and we've made a list of like what we've done and what we have yet to do, and. Um, there are a few of these that will probably lump together. There's including a couple of her animated ones. She did, uh, she did the ant bully and fantastic Mr. Fox, which I feel like we can do those together. And then there are other ones like AI and lemony snickets. We can probably do those together. And then there are two other ones that are, I wasn't sure they're both comedy. So I figured why not lump them together stuck on you. She has a cameo in and her episodes of web therapy, which was uh, Lisa Kudrow's, show i thought we could do those together so yeah we can probably put that in there with the uh, ant bully and fantastic mr fox episode 
Um, I, would like, I would like Meryl Streep to narrate my life. Well, I feel like I'd be much calmer. I'd have I'd have less anxiety if I just had Meryl Streep's voice coming at me all day. <laughs> it would be good. It would be good. Right. Um, yeah. All right. Well, shall we transition into It's Complicated? Let's do it. All right. Uh, do you, shall we start with the synopsis? Yes. Um, it's Complicated is written and directed by Nancy Myers. Um, it is about um, a woman in her 50s who has been divorced from her husband. It's Meryl Streep, played by um, her husband's played by Alec Baldwin. And she's been divorced from him. I want to say it's been like eight years or so. And um, he has remarried a younger woman who has a young son by another man. And it's sort of your typical, your middle-aged husband leaves you for a younger woman scenario. And she's got three grown kids. The last one it goes off to college and she has a little bit of empty nest and sort of the inciting incident is when she goes to her son's college graduation in New York, she and her ex-husband start up an affair. And the film is her sort of dealing with reconnecting with her husband and what that means and what she wants in life. And um, yeah, it's a romantic comedy, so we have a happy ending. Steve Martin is also in it as a romantic interest of hers. And she sort of is looking at these two men and sort of deciding what she wants from life. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure you've seen this one before. Yes. I have. How did this one hold up on uh, repeat viewing here? It ha you know what? It held up pretty well. I, I have to, this wasn't, um, I enjoyed this movie when I saw it, but it wasn't, um, I wasn't like jumping and shouting from the rooftops how much I loved this movie. And I'm kind of in the same camp. Like, I laughed. I enjoyed it. Nancy Myers films are very pretty. There's always beautiful kitchens and beautiful food and beautiful people. And this doesn't disappoint in that regard. Um, but it's not my favorite. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's a, it's another one that is really uh, an interesting... Well, I can see what was appealing about this movie in every sense from her standpoint. It's a pretty... It's a pretty nice role for her. Uh, she gets to, like you say, kind of be on a very comfortable set with people who were, you know, probably a lot of fun to be around. It was probably a fun set. Um, as a movie itself, um, yeah, it very much is middle of the pack for me. I think she's really good in it. I think there are problems with the movie. Uh, it's kind of the whitest movie ever made in a lot of ways. So true. And that's just sort of, that's just sort of the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> yeah. I mean that in all senses and the fact that like everything is white in this movie. Like she wears white all the time, which is very much a Nancy Myers thing. That's like, you know, Diane Keaton and something's got to give and the holiday and all of that too. But, um, you know, <laughs> Steve Martin is just so white. <laughs> like yeah. the white hair. Like, yes. <laughs> I, I do think it's, to me, like Steve Martin is kind of used in a funny way in this movie, too. Yeah. I, I wish there was a little more of Steve Martin. And I don't necessarily need a little less of Alec Baldwin, but like I, that to me was the more interesting story. Don't we, though? 
don't we need just a little less Alec Baldwin? <laughs> in some in some cases, yes. I I think he's good in this movie. You know, it's just he's kind of. Um, I like, I, I don't think we're really supposed to like, I certainly didn't like him as a character. Like he just wants to have his cake and eat it too, you know, it, but I don't know that, that the Steve Martin stuff seemed kind of unresolved in a way. And, uh, he plays it so straight, which is unusual for him. Although he, he did the, he's done that a few times in his career for sure. But this is like. It's not what you expect from a typical Steve Martin role. Um, I thought they had nice chemistry together, and I guess I would be interested in seeing more of that. Yeah, most definitely. And I think, I mean, I think he has. I think he has some pretty sufficient screen time. I think he's not really the character is quite contained. There's not really a lot to play with when they're having a get to know your get to know you conversation. So like the real chemistry and the beauty of that relationship comes out when they both get high and go to the party. And then they're like, and that's when you really, because there, there's a little more room to, you can tell they just have a little more room to explore and have fun with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I struggle a little bit. I, I have very similar issues with, something's got to give which is another nancy myers film and i (laughs) i i won't get super started on that one since it's it's beside the point but there's some similar there's some similar issues with this film to me in that like alec baldwin's character he feels it feels so manipulative i don't feel like like, he's just so, he's so detestable in the way that he behaves. I get very cringy about her even, like, being willing to, like, get into that in the first place. Whereas I feel like if somebody was a little less used car salesman about it, and you really feel like he believes what he is saying and thinks he means it, because I yeah. never get the sense that Alec Baldwin means it. I feel like he's feeding her a line to get what he wants. Yeah. I, f- I feel like I would enjoy the movie better if it was somebody who truly believed what he was saying, even yeah. though it was misguided. And then yeah. I could feel the conflict a little more. Like, why would she get into that? So, so that's, that's my, my big issue. That's my big issue with the film. Also, this happens, this is what happens in Something's Gotta Give. It just, it, it, on that line between, like, pretty and funny over into saccharine, I want to, like, crawl in a hole and die. Like, it, it, it crosses that line a few times. (laughs) As an example, when they get to New York for the son's graduation and you see this like beautiful blonde man walking down the street, who's her son. And he gets this like huge, like over the top smile on his face. And there's like montage, there's like music going over them and they all run up to each other in the sunlight on the street and they hug each other. And Meryl Streep sort of, she like, she like laughs in this sort of giggly way. And she was like, I can't believe we're all together again. And I was like, Ah, <laughs> it's like 
it's just like saccharine by the spoonful and it's a little much for me i think i'm jaded in these quarantine times to be perfectly honest No, that makes sense. These are people who don't have a whole lot of problems and, you know, take something that, uh, you know, is, I, I, you know, like, I guess we shouldn't tell people how to feel. I'm, I'm with you on the Alec no. Baldwin stuff. Like, he, he doesn't, I, it's just a matter of convenience for him. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. ditched, he ditched Meryl's character for the younger woman and now he's feeling, you know, bored or a little bit, uh, you know, unsatisfied or whatever. It's not all about him because she's got a kid. So, you know, now he's he's got to find somebody who, you know, has the time and the interest in him to pay attention to him. And, you know, so, yeah, I don't think one of the things that was interesting was, uh, you know, later on uh, in the episode here, I'll read a one star review as we've gotten in the habit of doing and one thing that i noticed that one star reviews have in common is kind of saying something similar to what you're saying which is i don't understand her motivation whatsoever like why you know steve martin's character is a really nice guy who's interested in her who's you know like they seem to have similar interests they seem to have you know an interest in spending time with each other or at least eventually it kind of works out that way she's she basically acts like he's not in the room in the first scene they have together, which seemed quite strange to me. But um, the the kind of choice to go back on what is comfortable and what's familiar, I don't know. There was a certain element to like I could. The only thing that I that I thought was there is something about it that almost went unaddressed in the movie, which is like. What about the idea? What if she's doing this in the fantasy that like her family could be one again? But that's not something that like her character ever really seemed to be no. needing. Yeah. I think you're helping me articulate something because um so we as human beings do this all the time, right? Like we go back into situations that maybe aren't the healthiest for us. Um so no judgment on her, on on her right because I can see how it happened you have a 20-year marriage with somebody obviously it's more nuanced than he left you for a younger woman and is clearly going through some sort of crisis ergo you should never give this person the time of day it's not like that I think what's missing is like that very first scene of the movie is just like it's meant to mislead you to believe that they're married and then you right, find right. out he has the much younger wife. You never, um, you never see, you never see what was good between them um, outside of the context of sex. Right. And so, and that's why we don't understand her motivation because obviously, over twenty years, she married the man. She spent 20 years with him. There was clearly something there. And you never you never really get to see that. And I think that's the missing part for me to really tap into and advocate for her on both sides of that choice. Right. I think yeah, even the way it's even the way it's filmed at the very beginning um because at the very beginning, like you say, they're almost presented as a married couple in the beginning, like that first scene yeah. before you really know what's going on, because they're they're just talking to another couple and they're always in a two shot at first. It's always both of them. And then the younger woman, his his new or current wife enters 
Um, and, you know, Meryl gives her that look because she's wearing revealing clothing and everybody else is kind of like buttoned up. And um, after that, at that scene, they're never in a two shot again. It's always Alec and the new wife in the two shot and Meryl by herself. And yeah. it's always it's always kind of interesting in terms of how that set up and what we're supposed to gather from, you know, just that like yeah. subtle subtlety there. Um yeah. And then it kind of goes from there to that scene I was referencing a minute ago where she and Steve Martin, uh, so she's renovating her house and Steve Martin is an architect. So she's kind of like a, um, she, she's working with somebody else. D- did you find that scene confusing when the, when she and Steve Martin meet where she's talking to the other architect, like Steve Martin wasn't even there. Like she's directing to him constantly. And that guy is always like, oh, it was, it, I forget what Steve Martin's character's name is, but she's always like, it was Adam. his idea. Adam, yeah. She's, he's always like, oh, this was Adam's idea. And she turns to him and goes, oh, great. And then like turns back to the other guy and goes, oh, I love this thing you did. And he said, that was Adam's idea too. Oh, great. I love this. Like, at, what is wrong with you? Like, no, it's <laughs> you're not getting it. It's super strange. Like, I think the point was that it was it was meant to be somebody in the room she wasn't really necessarily considering, but it just came off as rude. Especially yeah. on the second round when her her facial expression sort of read, who is this person? Right. <laughs> but it yeah. was sort of like I don't I don't know. I agree with you. It was it was very strange. And then but because Steve Martin is sort of in there, the Adam character is really meant to be the nice, good guy. Right. Yeah. You don't, you, I don't think you get the response you normally would. Like he's, he's smiling. He's like, yep, that was me. Shucks. <laughs> and if somebody reacted to me that way in a room, like as, and I don't know, like as an architect, I'd be like, um, hi, I'm here. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of like, he almost seems like he's going to be a doormat of a character, yeah. which he kind of is actually, but you know, not, not quite to the extremes. He does stand up for himself at the it end. Develops, and basically, It gets better as the movie goes on and he starts to speak up for himself as a character and it, it definitely gets better. Yeah. So after that, they go uh, to another kind of interesting scene where Meryl's character is considering plastic surgery. Uh, kind of a quick <laughs> little scene. Um, but a genuinely funny scene. This this one is kind of all comedy. Really, the only point of her being there is so that she can be uh, happen to bump into and not on purpose. This is a, yeah. entirely coincidental. Uh, she bumps into uh, Alec Baldwin's character and the new wife as they're struggling to conceive another child. And so they had just visited a fertility doctor in the same building. But uh, the plastic surgery thing, she's considering plastic surgery. She has what she considers a droopy left eyelid. Do you know that she just did that? She like she does not have a droopy left eyelid. She just like made that happen. That I yeah, that I scene, see. too, is there to set up the the gag, where throughout the whole movie, she's using her ring finger to prop up her eyebrow, and it is so, it's comedic genius, because she tells the plastic surgeon in that scene that sometimes she has to hold it up to read, 
Right. And but then when she gets really stressed out throughout the film, you will see her put her ring finger at her eyebrow and hold her eyelid up. And it is just the funniest. It is so funny. Bless her and her comedy genius. In particular, I think in this in the scene right after in the elevator scene with Alec Baldwin, I think that's when it's at its best because she you know, there's a lot going on that, you know, she's kind of caught them in a moment. It's kind of a delicious moment for her because she gets to see that her husband and this very young, you know, new wife are struggling to conceive. So she's kind of loving that. But at the same time, she's self-conscious about her eyes. So kind of propping that open. And that that is a great. She is so good. Also, so funny is, um, you know, when they're in New York for their son's graduation, all the kids go to a party that he's throwing with his apartment roommates. And so she's left alone at the hotel and she goes down to the bar to get a drink and she runs into her husband, her ex-husband, Alec Baldwin, and his wife is, is not in New York. So they end up getting drunk together and they essentially have a one night stand. But but after they've slept together in the hotel room, there's this there, she is just so wasted that her performance in that scene being drunk and like running to the bathroom and being just totally mortified is so good. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> there's there's a lot going that's a complex scene. There's a lot going on in that scene because right? she's running the gamut of like kind of excited also like kind of mortified kind of proud kind of not proud you know like she's feeling a lot of different things and also yeah she's still coming down from being you know super drunk she's throwing up yeah there's there's a whole lot going on in there um there is how did you feel about uh the two scenes because this is kind of where we are in the in the movie Mm -hmm. how did you feel about the two scenes uh, with her and her group of friends. So the first one, they're basically just telling her, you know, uh, they were talking about the plastic surgery, the infamous the yeah. lady whose vagina closed up again because she yeah. wasn't having sex. Um, and then the second one, when she admits that she is having an affair with her ex-husband and the kind of differing reactions from each of them, there's the one who thinks that it's genius to kind of get back at the woman who, you know, had an affair with him behind her yeah. back the one who kind of judges her for it. And the other one who's like, uh, okay, I don't know what to think about this. What did you think of those scenes with the, you know, circle of four? Um, I, I, well, I, I love those actresses and they, they brought some, some color and fun into the film, which was really helpful outside of sort of the main group of characters. So it's almost like a nice break, um, mm-hmm. that still helps move the story along. I really love um, cinematic illustrations of female friendship when done well. And I think that those two scenes do that quite well because your friends don't always agree with you. I think t- typically, historically, in, in, in movies, especially when men are writing screenplays and they have conversations between women, they can be more judgmental than women are in those situations. I think this film captures how women truly react to each other. It's usually quite supportive, even when in our heads we're going, oh, that's such a terrible idea, but I love you, so I'm going to support you no matter what. There's a loyalty there, I think, that they captured really well. I thought they were fun. I mean, I also, they're just speaking 
a, a different language of a different time around marriage and men and coupledom that feels a little bit um, antiquated. Mm-hmm. And that's just because this movie is truly, truly, it's pre-Me Too. <laughs> and you just sense that, for yeah. sure. What did you think of them? I've, you know, I liked those scenes, actually. I felt like there was more, you could tell they were having a lot of fun on set, yeah. those four. Like, it just seemed like they all, so it's, Rita, for people who haven't seen the movie, it's Rita Wilson, Mary Kay Place, and Alexandra Wentworth. Um, and it just seemed like they were having a really good time. In particular, uh, I guess the second scene more so, well, both of them, really, but the second scene when she, you know, admits to the affair there's some there's some really fun moments in there i guess yeah it is a little bit of the like i i guess it's the same thing that kind of runs through the the rest of the movie and that like she already has this fantastic house and this i you know like incredible job and like these kids who seem like you know i like none of them are real they're all like fairy tales and like you know uh pictures of like ideal you know like everything in her life is just great her Except she doesn't. that she doesn't appear to have to go into at five in the morning to get things ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like everything in her life is just going great <laughs> except for this one thing, I guess. And that's kind of like, that's, that's why it's hard to, I guess, to feel like, I don't know, f- particularly bad for her. I think, I think it might've been interesting to see her struggle in some way. I do. I will say that a, shi- a shining, shining, bright beacon of light in this movie, the first time I saw it and still the second time, is John Krasinski. That man is human gold. <laughs> I love him. If, and as, like, as a shout out, if you have everybody, if you have not been watching or tuned into his Some Good News Network that he started in quarantine, which is... Um, a news segment dedicated entirely to good news. Uh, Definitely check it out because he's amazing. But I, like my true laughter in this film, like me laughing out loud was him. Um, I, 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 Meryl Streep's so funny too, but his reaction to what is going on and his one-liners, they kill me. Can I admit something? Yeah. This is going to be a potentially unpopular opinion. I I think he's great. I am a huge fan of The Office. I watch it just like constantly in rotation. I've watched the first season of Jack Ryan and thought he was great. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. I, I agree with you that the, the thing he's doing right now is great. I thought he was super annoying in this movie. Did you really? That's I did. funny. Why? I don't think it was him. I really don't think it was him. I think it was the character. I think it was just... The character was that guy who's like, like me, I'm funny. That like, I, you know, like he's always trying really hard with like the, especially with Hunter Parrish, the the other. Um, so he's married to, to Meryl's oldest daughter. So they have three kids. They have the oldest daughter played by Caitlin Fitzgerald. Uh, I assume Hunter Parrish's character is older than Zoe Kazan's character. Yes. He's the middle one, I assume. Yeah. 
And then the youngest daughter is Zoe Kazan. And um, so he always is like joking around all of them. It just seems like he's trying so hard. Again, not John Krasinski, the character. Like John Krasinski does what John Krasinski is hired to do and is so good at. It's not him. It's the character. It just strikes me as like that guy who like in small doses is great. But like if I knew that guy, I would be like, oh, my God, that guy is just so it's just so much from him, you know? You're tapping into that weird saccharine thing that's happening. Yeah. Right? Like, everything is just so heightened. It's like heightened cuteness. Yeah. Heightened funniness, heightened pretty, height, like heightened everything to the point where you're like, whoa, let's, yeah. uh, let's tap into real life a little bit. One of the things that um, is, I wouldn't say a pet peeve, but like one of the things that I'm kind of, I, one of the things that is important to me in in people is authenticity. Like people who are, I, I just don't, I, I really feel like witnessing people being fake is like my least favorite thing. And yeah. that just is just kind of to me what that character is. To me, the most, the scene that I appreciated his character the most is actually that hotel scene in which he he's the first one who who be kind of coincidentally sees Meryl and Alec Baldwin come into the same hotel that he and the daughter are having a lunch at. And so he sees what what's happening. He sees that they're yeah. having an affair. And so he's trying to keep that from his, are they married? Is it his fiance no, or his wife? they're getting married. So they're planning the wedding. Oh, that's right. That's right. So he's trying to keep it from his fiance, who is their daughter, that, you know, the parents are having an affair that he is seeing. Um, I thought I thought that was like, because he wasn't just trying to be like, Hey, everybody, I got some quips for you. It was more like, you know, he had something to do. (laughs) So, again, nothing against John Krasinski, truly. I I agree. Like, I think he's great. I just, that character rubbed me the wrong way in this movie. Um, Interesting, because I didn't get, um, I, I absolutely see where you were coming from. It's the polar opposite of how I felt about it. It was so fascinating. I love it when we disagree. It's really fun. I know. know. How did you feel about, as long as we're talking about the kids, how did you feel about the the three kids? You know, the oldest daughter was, what is the actress's name? Caitlin Fitzgerald. Thank you. Um, Caitlin, Caitlin Fitzgerald is lovely. She really doesn't play much of a role. I mean, she's just sort of there. Zoe Kazan has a little more going on. I just love Zoe Kazan. She can really do no wrong in my book. I just think she's gold as well. Um, is it what's his name? Hunter. Hunter Parrish. I just I wasn't I wasn't super crazy about Hunter Parrish. I wasn't either. Um, and I can't. I don't know. I can't. I don't. I don't know why. Like something from the get go seemed very disconnected. You know, you're, you're doing your best, Hunter Paris. But no, yeah, I just, yeah, I felt like, I felt like he was sort of the odd one out for some reason. It didn't yeah. really, a lot of smiling. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That Maybe that's it. Maybe it, again, maybe it wasn't him, although I kind of think it was, but maybe it wasn't him. <laughs> maybe it was just like the character didn't feel real. But again, Zoe Kazan, I, I felt like I bought her. Like I thought she was real. I thought she was great. And I think she's always great. I saw her um, years ago in uh, a play off Broadway. I saw her in the prime of Miss Jean Brody with uh, Cynthia Nixon. Oh, wow. Which was, for a lot of reasons, really interesting. But she was very good in it. But um, anyway, uh, 
she's yeah she's just kind of always she's one of those people who i don't like it when people describe themselves as quirky but like she does have a quirky energy about her where like you know it and it doesn't seem inauthentic it seems like who she is yeah uh but i totally bought her caitlin fitzgerald again i agree with everything you said actually i think she was I think she was perfectly fine in this movie. And like you say, she didn't really, she had a couple of lines in it where she would set something up, but it wasn't like her character or there was anything, you know, deep. And it wasn't like we spent a ton of time with Hunter Parrish either. It was just this, I I didn't get a sense of him as like being, I didn't see a real human being there. I found this kind of like a caricature. Yeah. And I don't think it helped that like the minute we meet him in New York and we walk into the lobby, I understand that this was the setup to get her alone in the hotel. But she was like, I made a dinner reservation for all of us. And he's like, oh, mom, I'm sorry. We have all day together tomorrow and I'm throwing a party without you. So can I have your credit card? And I was like, oh, this feels gross. Yep. There were there were some other moments in this film like that too, where in order to get the premise, in order to get it set up for the plot to develop it the way it needed to, we had some awkward moments like that, like very contrived moments where we're like, kids are my daughter. Oh, my sisters offered to help me set up for the party, so they're not gonna be here either. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's kind of clunky explanations. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other moment that was a little clunky was, um, you know, you the film sort of had to bring everything to a head. And her ex-husband, um, Alec Baldwin's wife, has kicked him out. The kids have convinced Meryl Streep that she needs to let him stay at her house. They're all there. And Meryl Streep st- decides to get on a Skype date with, with Steve Martin. <laughs> And uh, she happens to leave her computer on the bed and Alec Baldwin happens to get naked and get in front of the camera. And, and, you know, it makes for a good physical comedy gag, but it's also like very, very contrived to get to the place where we're revealing that Adam finds out about the relationship with the ex-husband. And yeah, it's it's a little tough. It's a little tough to swallow. Yeah. How did, how did you feel about, uh, to me, one of the high points of the movie was the scene in which uh, they got high together. I actually really kind of liked all of that. Steve Martin and Meryl Streep, yeah, smoking that joint. It's my favorite scene in the whole film. For sure. It's so good. Yeah. They're so funny. I And I love, I love the cut, too, when she comes back in the room and it cuts to Steve Martin and he's dancing like a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of the one scene, it's kind of the one scene in the movie where Steve Martin gets to be Steve Martin. Yep. You're like, there you are. I missed you. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's not so kind of like self-serious, which again is not him. It's the way the character is written. But the like, um, the there's they're smoking it and she tells him, you know, it's she's been very like laughy and he doesn't really understand what's happening. He doesn't know that she's high at first in that in the car. And she finally, you know, just tells him, and it was like, do you want to smoke some too? And she tells him, like, you know, I, th- I'm i this high off of one drag, which, come on, that's not possible, Nancy Myers, but whatever. We'll pretend. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, she basically is like, don't go too hard at this because I'm super high off of one, you know, one drag on it. And he takes, you know, the most 
he takes the biggest inhale that he possibly can. And then, you know, somebody smells and goes, hey, who's smoking reefer? And he he does that voice from behind the kind of the shrubs that no, I'm going to keep walking that like very much not in character for his character at all. But it's just one time in the movie we get to see Steve Martin be Steve Martin. So we're going to let it happen. It's so good. Like, like that, that's kind of that's that's when the film really sort of shakes off its shackles. Yeah. And they're allowed to have some freedom in the comedy. And it's just good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other reason I think that scene really works, this is actually kind of perfectly in line with what you were just saying, is everything. So then there's like these musical montages where just people are dancing with different people. So, you know, Meryl's dancing with Steve Martin. Steve Martin is dancing with Lake Bell, who plays Alec Baldwin's new wife. Alec Baldwin and Meryl Streep are dancing. And everything that you need to know is on faces and not talked about. It's all looks and we know exactly what's happening. And it's not over-explained, it just is. And we don't need any more information. You know, Lake Bell sees them dancing together and has it figured out. Great, I buy that. Like, we don't need to have a scene in which... And actually, I'm kind of glad that that scene does not exist in the movie. That scene between Lake Bell and Alec yeah. Baldwin, where she's saying, I know what's happening here. We don't need that scene. And it's it's nice that that's not there. I will say, Lake Bell is criminally underutilized. She's so talented. And I don't think there's any... I, I'm not sh- Given the role she's playing, I'm not sure it would serve the film in any useful way to have more right. Lake Bell in there. But Lake Bell is so good. Yeah. She's so good. <laughs> well, I guarantee you, I mean, I, you know, she's she's kind of at this point a little bit more uh, well known than she was then, although she was she was reasonably well known then, too. But, you know. That offer comes in for, do you want to be in a movie with Meryl Streep, Steve Martin, and Alec Baldwin? You say yes to that one, even if you're in one scene, even if you're... That's why Mary Kay Place and Rita Wilson are in this movie for two scenes, too, you know? Lake Bell did a movie called In a World that she wrote and directed and starred in, and I feel like... I feel like film audiences really got to, like, see her in a way we don't always, because she's she very consistently is playing a sidekick, like mm-hmm. the best friend to Cameron Diaz in that What Happens in Vegas movie, you know? Like, that's sort of where Lake Bell lives a lot of the time, and it's just a crime. (laughs) Because she's just so interesting and very talented. So I highly recommend everyone watch In a World. It's an enjoyable watch. So, I don't know. Do we need to, like, keep going through the movie? Or I mean, I feel like she... Do you have a favorite moment? The the high scene the smoke in yeah. the smoke in the pot scene there are a couple other ones um there's another one that kind of it has the same i love that scene it's actually the first time she stands steve martin up accidentally where they have an appointment at like 8 30 in the morning she forgets uh and goes for a run yep and he he happens to come across her on the street and she asks him for a ride back and uh, so she gets in his car. This guy is a complete stranger to her at this point. Uh, she's met him that one time. And he's got the book on tape that's like the the very, you know, the self-help thing about going through a divorce and what to do. And she just kind of laughs about it. I, I just thought they were charming in that scene together. I just, yeah. And again, it just doesn't, 
they it didn't take much explanation. We understood what was happening. It was a simple premise, and they it wasn't you know there wasn't much there to muck it up. It was just kind of like it was a clean scene that really worked. I thought. Yeah, I think overall one thing I really love about this movie in terms of Meryl Streep is that it, it, it taps into it taps into kind of what postcards of the edge tap postcards from the edge taps into with her is that it's um it it is a comedic performance she has an opportunity to tap into her sarcastic sort of her sarcastic sensibility that the Mm -hmm. rolling of the eyes the sort of internal you can see the internal monologue expressed on her face consistently in this film but in a natural way whereas in her like super comedic performances and death becomes her and she devil are their characterizations that are meant to be so over the top um i i think i prefer her comedic performances like this because what's going on is so real you can just identify with every eye roll with every like side eye um you know every time she's almost in tears like you just get it and i i I love meryl in that form yeah well this yeah this seems like i mean she's kind of for lack of a better terms a normal person i mean like she's she's a very privileged person yeah but she's a normal person and she's coming from a place of sincerity in terms of what it is that she wants from her life. And I guess in that regard, like we've spent a little bit of time putting it down, you know, this idea of like she has in so many ways this very ideal life, this kind of picture perfect life. And, you know, if somebody has that except for one thing, I guess you can't in no matter what their privileges really begrudge them for trying to find that, you know, other thing to make it a truly perfect life. However, I think the one thing it's the, that kind of we've, we've been kind of like circling around this the whole time is the answer to anybody watching it from the outside is painfully clear, but that's also because we can see everybody's motivations. Right. Yeah. So sure. Um, I will say I have one more bone to pick with the movie and it's that we don't get to see the reno. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, this entire time we're building this beautiful reno and, uh, or like gonna start the reno and they start it in the very last scene. I'm like, oh, come on guys. I want the big, beautiful kitchen to, to cue me that life is now perfect. (laughs) Well, you know, a renovation for a house that's already stunningly beautiful. I know. Oh, kills me. But, you know. I do actually that um, I think it may be a continuation. No, it isn't a continuation of the car scene. I do love uh, as well the scene where he gives her the tour because she's late and he gives her the tour that he's set up and they, you know, they climb the ladders to look at the view. Again, I just I guess like every scene with the two of them. Yeah, I want them to do another movie together. Pretty yeah. Please. Yeah. And watching um, a few interviews with them, like they all. I mean, I guess as you might expect, but there is just like real, they just kind of revered each other. They really just spoke so highly of each other as you might expect them to. But it was nice to see that it really was, you know, that it worked well from their perspective too. Um, Let's talk about Nancy Myers for a second. She started, um, she started as, as best I can tell you, you might know a little bit more about her. She started um, as more on the writing side. She wrote several pictures for Goldie Hawn. She wrote Private Benjamin and, and Protocol. 
Uh, she did Jump and Jack Flash, Ruby Goldberg, Baby Boom from Diane Keaton, Father of the Bride 1 and 2. Um, and she segued into directing. Her first movie that she directed was The Parent Trap with uh, Lindsay Lohan. Um, after that, had a monster hit in What Women Want with Mel Gibson and Helen Hunt. And then kind of since then has been nothing but pretty big hits. Uh, so she's directed so far six movies. This was the fifth. She did The Parent Trap and What Women Want, then The Juggernaut, that was Something's Gotta Give, then The Holiday, then this, It's Complicated, and then uh, most recently The Intern, the mm. one with Anne Hathaway and uh, Robert De Niro. So um She's got an interesting body of work. Like, you know, she's one of those people who is very well established in her genre. You kind of know what you're getting when you have a Nancy Myers movie, which is there's that's not a bad that's not a criticism necessarily. Right. Like it is right. nice when there is some kind of not continuity in your work, but that like it you have a whole body of work that kind of oh, that looks like one of your movies. I would say the same thing about Martin Scorsese or Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, she definitely has her stamp. I would say that um, I, like, as critical as I am of this movie, or something's got to give. Um, one, she definitely has a very specific style. Two, she has has somehow, I'm sure, through her hard work, um, been able to to traverse an incredibly difficult industry for women on the writing side, but also on the directing side and mm -hmm. done it to blockbuster effect with right. romantic comedies that don't have guns, that don't have explosions, that aren't franchises. People will show up to the theater for Nancy Myers because what she delivers is essentially two hours of just like gorgeous, escape um that is well-crafted storytelling with characters you can identify with on a real level i mean baby boom she wrote be so like she's just she's a gem the f mm -hmm. we are lucky to have her <laughs> well and you know it's again i don't mean this as a criticism i actually view yeah. it as a, as a positive that Really, all of her movies, especially the ones that she's directed with the exception probably of The Parent Trap, are all are all aimed at what I would say is a pretty specific demographic, which yeah. is people 40 years and older, uh, primarily women, you know, yeah. and so some of the some of the stuff that she does is she casts a movie with Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin, who's 10 years younger, not older, is her love interest. You know, yeah. actually, it, it's two weeks in a row that she's had a uh, romantic interest because last week Bruce Willis is actually five years younger than her in real life, too, where like age wise, kind of appropriate age casting has been going on two weeks Amazing. in a row. So that's yeah. Um, but, you know, and she did. She's been consistent with that. You know, something's got to give was the same way. Um, yeah. You know, like she's just she's good about that. She's and it's probably because she's a woman and she, you know, isn't interested in perpetuating any myths about that. There are, are perhaps other myths that she is perpetuating, but you know, it's neither here nor there in this. It's like, yeah. Um, I will just... say that I watched this movie with my, I told you this before we started recording, but I watched this movie with my parents who are um, 68 and 70 
And um, they just like, they, this is their movie, man. Like they just, they, they giggle. Like both of my parents just, just thought it was a hoot. And, huh. and I mean, I laugh too. It's a funny movie, but there's, um, there's a language there. I think generationally that she is speaking very well. Yeah. Um, that I don't necessarily identify with. Um, I, I, I could tap into it better for it's complicated. I can't tap into it at all for something's got to give. I like legitimately despise that movie for various reasons. And like, I can't, I like, I've, and I've rewatched it too, just trying to like. <laughs> that I, I've only seen that when it first came out and I'm really kind of curious now because the one difference that I see, it almost feels like kind of the same movie in some ways, like not exactly, but it's very similar. But the one thing that I remember feeling about Diane, Diane Keaton's character in something's got to give where I, that I don't feel about this one is I felt like there was some genuine trying to figure out and try to like, I felt more sympathetic towards her in terms of her choices. Like I felt like it was a real, struggle for her to make she that choice whereas, out as a character for sure yeah whereas yeah. Meryl, you just wanted to be like why aren't you making the right decision like what yeah you know like as an audience member we can again just see it so clearly and yeah. i don't remember that being entirely the case with some maybe and maybe it is maybe i just remember it wrong but um I will say I, that i legitimately do not understand and will never understand <laughs> why like, if you take that story in a vacuum, something's got to give. If I am Diane Keaton, I am a stunningly beautiful, very successful writer. And I may be single, but I have a, um, a very good relationship with my daughter. I have great best friends. And then Keanu Reeves shows up as a doctor and shows romantic interest in you. The man is gorgeous. <laughs> and kind right the character is so kind and smart and um attentive all of the things and the entire movie is her falling in love with a a womanizing slob and i can't get past it it's like every time i watch it i get so angry i'm like this is so ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) i'll have to rewatch I don't remember it very well. I like. I think it just per. It sort of perpetuates that weird male dynamic, you know, in especially in Hollywood, where, you know, and Jack Nicholson is looked at as a romantic lead. Where if you stuck him on the street as a regular, I mean, just it's not. It's just not like ah, I don't understand. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Cool. Anything else you want to say about this movie? Um, no. Going back to it's complicated. <laughs> I went on a tangent. Feel free to cut cut out my rant on something's got to give. Yeah, I'll keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if people agree. Uh, yeah. Um, no, it's com- it's complicated. It's very fun. It's very pretty. It's very sort of unrealistic. Um, yeah. Um, and there are just some really fun moments. So if you're looking for, you know, a laugh and two hours of fantasy life, go for it. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's that's what it is. Is like she doesn't seem. Uh, I'm talking about Nancy Myers. She doesn't seem concerned necessarily with uh, like showing a struggle 
but you know like if you're just looking for an escape she's your gal like you know what i mean she's kind of the the one to go to if you're just looking for a movie that is light and airy and beautiful to look at you know she she makes those movies and you know as you say her movies make a lot of money every movie that she's made has been successful and several of them have been very very successful so yeah yeah um Wrapping up some uh, things on this movie, it currently has a 6.5 out of 10 rating on IMDb. It's got a 57 meta score, um, which is not so good. It was nominated for three Golden Globes. It was nominated for Best Motion Picture, Comedy, or Musical, uh, which it lost to, I knew this, I just looked at this and I forgot what it was. It was up against Julie and Julia, so Meryl was actually nominated in two that year. She was also nominated for Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture, Comedy, or Musical, which she lost to herself for Julie and Julia. (laughs) That's amazing. She was nominated for two performances in the same category that year. That was the year that um, she was also nominated at the Oscars for Julie and Julia and lost to Sandra Bullock. Um, So the three Golden Globes that it was up for uh, were uh, Best Picture, uh, Comedy or Musical, Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture for Meryl, and Best Screenplay for Nancy Myers. Um, One thing that I thought was interesting, it it won a few other things uh, in terms of awards. It won, um, there was one I wanted to point out. It actually won Best Acting by an Ensemble by the National Board of Review. Um, But one of the other nominations that I thought was interesting was it was nominated for one BAFTA, which is kind of the the British equivalent of the Academy Awards, for Best Supporting Actor for Alec Baldwin. It wasn't nominated for Meryl or Steve Martin or anybody else. It was for him for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, for a BAFTA. Yeah. Um, So it was not nominated for any Oscars, but like I said, Julie and Julia was up for a few that year. So it was it was one of those years where she was kind of, you know, competing and and had had one foot in each camp, basically. So um, before we move on, I did want to it'll take me a minute to find it, actually. But I wanted to read um, a one star review from this. The one that I found the most funny was written by Miss RZ, and it says, Shallow and Dirty. Shallow and Dirty, this movie is mostly about food, sex, and pot. Since when is it okay to watch people smoking pot in a movie about family? What is that telling the younger generations? (laughs) That it's okay to smoke pot? (laughs) I remember the days of This Is Your Brain on Drugs ads, the days of parents watching over their children so they don't do drugs, and now the parents are doing it? Isn't it enough that Hollywood has been destroying the parents' image since the 90s? All movies suggest that parents don't know better than their children, that they make big mistakes, and that their children always turn out to be right in the end, and parents turn out to be wrong. To top it all off, now parents are even doing drugs? There go your role models. It goes on like that for a while, but it's mostly just watching or reading somebody talk about like their... You know, failings as a parent, I guess. But one 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 uh, paragraph that I liked here said, "What happened to the good, clean, and deep writers, like the ones that created Mrs. Doubtfire and Stepmom, to name a couple?" <laughs> Actually, isn't there some drug use in Stepmom too? I think they smoke yeah. pot in that one because she's going through cancer, isn't it? Yeah, is it acceptable anyway. under those circumstances? 
I don't know. She just, he, yeah, it's Miss Arzy, so I'll assume it's a woman that wrote this. But it's it just goes, um, you know, it goes on and on about it. it's a it's a there's no morals to this movie kind of thing. Somebody is very hung up on the fact that they that in one scene they smoke pot. It really has nothing to do with the rest of the movie at all, except that they smoke pot, and there are no consequences to it whatsoever. So. <laughs> they had a really good time actually that was like the most fun they ever had together but anyway um well let's see shall we move on to our other se- oh wait no where would you put this on your list now that we have uh, functioning lists oh let me pull it up real quick while you're doing that i'm gonna i'll i'll say where i have mine because i, yeah. I pre-placed mine um, I have mine here uh, in the performances list. I ranked mine uh, 13 out of 30. This is our 30th movie. Um, I ranked it 13, so I have it after Doubt and before Ricky and the Flash. I feel like she's better in this than Ricky and the Flash. Um, yeah. In terms of uh, ranking of her movies in general, I have it uh, perfectly centered at 15 out of 30. I have it after The Devil Wears Prada and in front of Mary Poppins Returns, which I guess I just, I don't know. That feels a little funny, too, because Mary Poppins Returns is like a more lavish, more stylized thing. But I don't know. Yeah. Okay. That movie wasn't made for me, you know. Okay. So in terms of performances, I have it pretty close to where you do. I've got uh, it, it ranked number 15 below um, below Silkwood above Little Women just because, you know, she's brilliant Little Women. She just doesn't do that much. Um, and I, I definitely have it above um, Death Becomes Her and Ricky and the Flash. Um, and then movies, it's a little bit lower. I've got it at 19, just under River Wild and above Death Becomes Her. Okay. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um, shall we move on to our other segments? Yes. And then we have an announcement. That's right. Six degrees. Six degrees. Our person was Felicity Jones. Were you able to connect Felicity Jones? I might have been able to if I, tr- <laughs> I try. <laughs> I am like, I am the rebel host in this uh, outfit where I don't do my job. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna you do yours i actually only really found one that i could get there in one um i'm sure okay. there are other ones uh the only one that i thought of in one was she was in the third and i would guess maybe last of the dan brown tom hanks uh you know da vinci code movies she? she was in yeah she was in inferno oh which actually out of those three i think is my favorite one of those I don't know if I've seen Inferno. I actually have liked each one of those more than the last one. I feel like uh, Da Vinci Code, I wasn't crazy about. Uh, Angels and Demons, I thought was better. And then I think Inferno was better. Actually, Angels and Demons, I liked quite a bit too. But anyway, the connection is Tom Hanks uh, with The Post. Yeah. Surely there's a Star Wars link. I kind of wondered about that too. There has to be something from her. Um, is and you know to give you a to to give you a minute to look here or rack your brain. I can't see one though, not off the top of my head anyway. I think she uh, 
Well, and the other one that I saw her in last year was she was in the Ruth Bader Ginsburg document or not documentary, mm-hmm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, film on the basis of sex. It's called. I know Kathy Bates is in that, but she's not been in a movie with Meryl. Um, I, so I can't think of any anybody from that one. But she was good in that, and um, she was really good in uh, the Theory of Everything, the Stephen Hawking movie. As Jane Hawking, I thought she was just so good. He got, he kind of got all the attention. He won an Oscar for that. And he was great too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Eddie Redmayne was great in that movie, but um, Felicity Jones, I thought was really good that year and kind of uh, undersung that year. She is in an amazing adaptation of Northanger Abbey that she did, you know, for BBC masterpiece classic years ago, sort of before she hit it big. And I, I, I still I still think to date is one of my favorite of her performances. She's Miranda in The Tempest with Helen Mirren. Has have Helen Mirren and Meryl Streep done anything together? Because that needs to happen yesterday. Yeah, no. Alan Cumming? No. No. David Strathairn! Keep oh, there you go. Boom. Did you know that Dave and Strathern's son and Meryl Streep's daughter were married? Oh, I saw I a thing. That, yeah, I actually yeah. I, I actually meant to ask you about that because I did see a headline saying they, they actually just split like within the last week. They got divorced. That's what I saw. Yeah. And I didn't know that was his son. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, I, I wasn't sure whether that was something we should talk about or if that was like too gossipy. And Oh, well, I hope that they're both okay. They, it, it lasted 42 days, that marriage. Yeah. That's tough. I don't know how long they were together before that. but And it just sucks to be in the headlines. Nobody wants to go through that in the headlines. So I wish them both very well. Yeah. Has Ben Wishaw uh, done anything with Meryl Streep? Also who? something that should happen? Ben Wishaw? Mm, was he in... Uh, well, they were, weren't they both in Mary Poppins Returns? Oh, yeah. Hello. But they didn't have any scenes together right uh i don't remember if he's in that scene or not i don't think he is well there you go there's a couple connections there though yeah i mean i had to get onto imdb to do it but you know everybody forgives me (laughs) yeah what about uh movies you wish meryl was in do you have one of those um can we just put her in everything (laughs) that's not a good answer um movies i wish she had been in you know i'm watching mrs america right now on hulu yeah how do you feel about that oh it's so good it's very stressful to watch but it is so good and i don't know who she would play but i really wish she was in it because i feel like it would just put my so many of my powerhouses in one room Um, so I, I do wish she was somehow in that. I feel like that would be the icing on the cake. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I've been, I've been curious about that. I bet they did ask her to be in that. I just feel like that's something they would have like, that's something that she would have been interested in doing. It seems like, but, um, I, I feel, uh, weird about admitting this because we spent a lot of time talking some smack about it. My first thought was actually because of this was maybe something that's got to give, but maybe not. Yeah, for sure though. Like it would, ju- it would be interesting to see how the movie was different. Yeah. 
Um, and again, I haven't seen that one in a while. The other one that came to mind, and I don't know exactly why I was just thinking about this, and I guess she probably would have been maybe just a little bit too old in some ways to play it, was um, another like guilty pleasure movie is The Pelican Brief. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's supposed to be like a college student so it might have been just, you know, it was made in 1992 or 1993, so she would already have been 40, so I guess it doesn't work. But, you know, if the movie could have been made 20 years before that, just something like that, a movie like that would have been fun to see her in, you know? Um, also comes to mind, just really sort of fun slapstick, is Red, the Red franchise. Mm-hmm. That Helen mm-hmm. Mirren, John Malkovich, and Bruce Willis, Mary Louise Parker. There you go. Yeah, yeah. no, that's good. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think we actually mentioned something like that at some, you know, a movie like that, you know, if, if Helen Mirren can do those action movies at, you know, her age, why not, why not Meryl Streep? We do just something a little bit different, you know, but. I will um, say this is not a movie, but, um, last season on, on Broadway, they did a production of King Lear with mm-hmm. Glenda Jackson performing the role of King Lear. And I would have really loved to see Meryl Streep in that role. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see her do some stage work as we've talked about before. She yes. does She does anything on Broadway, I'm coming out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that. I'll be there. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, King, something like King Lear is, yeah, amazing. That would be... That would be almost too much, really. Um, yeah, that's good. All right, well, shall we do our announcement, Meryl? Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to let you take the lead. Okay, so because we've had long, long lags in, in posting episodes, um, we have not been very kind to you, listeners. <laughs> Mainly because of my schedule. I will take responsibility. Um, but because we're in quarantine and now have quite a bit of time on our hands, we decided to set ourselves a little challenge and do uh, five Merrill movies in five days. So you're going to get five episodes from us in succession and you're going to have to go on so many runs um, to listen to them. <laughs> So this is not the start of that. This is not the first of those. Um, It's going to be probably a week or two until we can actually, uh, you know, make this happen. We have to look at our schedules and find, you know, time to record five episodes. But we're going to we're going to make that happen, or at least that's our goal right now uh, to to bust that out. So do we want to announce the five movies that we're going to be doing? Definitely. So we decided to do a sort of a sampling of genres. So we're going to do a great comedy she did called Defending Your Life with Albert Brooks, The Manchurian Candidate, the recent Into the Woods, First Do No Harm, which I will let you talk about, and then Music of the Heart. Yeah. So we've got basically, uh, you know, as you said, we've got a comedy in there. We've got a thriller in The Manchurian Candidate. We've got a musical and into the woods, we've got a drama in uh, Music of the Heart, and uh, kind of a grab bag in First Do No Harm. First Do No Harm is a TV movie that she did in the late '90s. Um, it's another drama, and it's it's 
it's not going to be the lightest of them. If I remember it correctly, it's like her son is dying and she's got to like do something at a hospital or something like that. I don't really remember. It's, it's something to do with hospitals or medical something. I only watched it once. Um, but it's the reason I'm kind of curious about that one is it's a, it's an interesting period in her career where, uh, I would love to figure out what it was that, attracted her to TV at that time because unlike now where TV is like the thing and where everything is going on TV was kind of something you didn't do if you were a movie star back in those days and uh this was um it wasn't like there was something particularly prestigious about this one it was just kind of like a movie of the week kind of thing and so I'm just really curious as to uh what it was that made her feel like uh going for this one so uh hopefully you'll be you'll be with us for these the other one that uh was my choice there was manchurian candidate which i cannot wait to revisit i actually think she's so good in that movie and i just can't wait to uh revisit that one and you know there's some there's some fun ones we tried to keep everything uh for the most part not super heavy uh you know there's nothing outside of first do no harm that's gonna be and by super heavy, we really mean Sophie's Choice or the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, those are kind of the two that we're postponing at this point. But um, and then, well, I'll even take it one step further here. So the last of the five that we're going to do is going to be Music of the Heart. And that's going to be a segue to uh, our tribute episode, which is going to be after that. Um, and so that one won't be immediately after that. It'll take us probably a couple weeks to get to this. But we're going to do our next tribute episode on Angela Bassett. So uh, so far, we've done tribute episodes to uh, Carrie Fisher, Laura Dern and Diane Keaton. So this will be our fourth tribute episode uh, on Angela Bassett, who is in music of the heart so we figure that would be a good segue to get to uh, talk to some um, talk about some of Angela Bassett's work so there is your uh, update and schedule on what we've got coming up over the next that will get us several weeks out at this point and beyond that who knows hopefully we can be out in the world at that point but um, yeah we'll see how things go but we're looking forward to it it was good to talk it's complicated and uh, we'll see everybody soon Bye, everybody. That's all.